Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon, an hour of hockey talk to get your afternoon started. Peter Klein and Logan Gordon with you today. Our Thursday regulars, Peter Labardius and Eric Dehachuk joining the show today. Of course, your text always welcome at 960-960 in the NHL tonight. We could find out the second half of the Stanley Cup final, or we could be getting ready for a game seven as the Lightning and Islanders face off game six. It is a six o'clock start here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. To talk about that and all things Calgary Flames, let's welcome in the color voice of the Calgary Flames, Peter Labardius. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, for the, the first time in a couple months, we're coming off of a day where we didn't have any <laughs> NHL yeah. hockey. It's kind of no, weird. It, how, it, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it was a little odd last night. Baseball was basically uh, the one thing that was available for sports fans. And if you like the Toronto Blue Jays, that that wasn't the most pleasant of evenings, again, in New York to watch. So um, it was an odd night for sure and excited about the opportunity to watch the Islanders and the Lightning go at it and see if we're... uh, into a Stanley Cup final when the night's all said and done. Yeah, last night was a brownie points night for me. By about the sixth inning, it was, hey, what what do you want to watch? It's been a lot of sports. Let's You can pick what we watch for the rest of the night. <laughs> well, I, I live in a household where uh, I'm outvoted two to one. And <laughs> my household, believe it or not, is filled with theater loving people rather than sports loving people so uh, i i upon arrival though peter i kind of made it very clear that uh you know we we have three different floors with tvs in a relatively small condo but uh, there's always a spot for me to watch what i want when i need to Excellent. Yeah, there's only two people that live here, and I still find myself outvoted a lot of the time. Uh, get used <laughs> to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we get to the, the New York Islanders, we do want to focus on the, the Calgary Flames. They, they make some news this week. Jeff Ward sticking around as the head coach. We, we've talked about that, and I think pretty clearly the top of the checklist for the Flames was getting a head coach. What's next, though, for for the Calgary Flames? From your perspective, what should be some of the other items on that to-do list for Brad for living this offseason? Well, I want to chat with both you guys about this and, and bring in Logan as well. It, you know, from what I've listened to and, you know, from Flames Roundtable, a couple of those that I've heard, you guys have really, you know, started to delve in as far as priorities are concerned. And, and believe it or not, I understand that for a lot of people, again, goaltending is a priority, although I, I'm still very, very interested. Guys, you know that I've spoken about David Riddick with one year left and someone that has progressed. You know, where is David in the minds of the Flames? And how badly are they potentially, you know, they're going to need someone, it would appear. But... I just I keep going back to this, and that is it seems like goaltending is big on the priority list. You're going to potentially have to retool your defense. Um, TJ Brody, I think, 
still is a very strong possibility that he could return, but there's going to be some work to do there. Um, So I'm going to go in a different direction. And I haven't used this word in a long time, but I'm going to use it today. It's slotting and it's the forwards. And that for me, Peter, is the most interesting thing. And, And in some ways a priority, because as you alluded to yesterday and I was completely on board with your sentiments is when we reflect back on recent playoffs, has goaltending really been a problem in the playoffs? And I would say, no, Um, you know, did they take some massive strides in terms of how they defended and how they played? I, I think they took massive strides. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. So now to me, Depending on your mix and how you want to go forward, the group that absolutely fascinates me is your forwards. And here's why. Uh, I just, I don't think you can come back with the same kind of construction that you've had with your forwards. Because, you know, and, and people might argue it in this regard. We've seen a lot out of certain combinations at this point in time Now, that's not to say that you have to completely write off on them, but now that we know that Jeff is the head coach and that he and Brad are going forward and the organization is going forward and we've just had another playoff situation to analyze, Peter, there's there's so many interesting guys, but let's start down the middle. Um. I've always felt that for this team right now, the way it is constructed and the type of people that it has, and it has some really, really good people. Now, where are you going down the middle? Now, yes, you have Monan and you still have Gaudreau, and are you okay with that combination? I'm not sure at this point we can be completely okay with that combination in terms of how it is constructed. That's that's just as upfront and as honest as I can be. Now, in terms of Jeff and thinking about the kinds of people that you have, does everybody need to go? No, everybody doesn't need to go. But could you guys both see a scenario, because I really could, in terms of building your team and what you need. So if maybe this team right now doesn't have, you know, a Connor McDavid, um, you know, a Nathan McKinnon, maybe some of those game-changing type people when you think about just high, high, high beyond high-level skill, don't you have to do it with your depth? So at center, here's what interests me. You have Sean, and I think, and I, I've, I stand by it, and I continue to stand by it. I think I think Sean has made some massive strides in his overall game, for sure. And still very much for me would figure into the mix. Is this the time, however, to think about a couple of things? And and I'm going to pose this as much as I'm going to throw it out there for both of you. So if you would chime in for me, please do. I could very much see a scenario where Elias Lindholm gets moved to the middle and that you commit to that, and I could even see him potentially playing with someone like a Matthew Kachuk, and depending on some of the moves that you make, 
Are we not in a position with what we've seen from Dylan Dubé and Andrew Mangiapane to not potentially say, let's continue to experiment and find out if these are truly top six type people and, and shake things up a little bit? Because, you know, even in the case of Dubé, I thought about, you know, what would the potential of a lion look like to have Lindholm in the middle, to add the speed on the right side um, of Dubé, who I think is getting better and better, would I say that he's a perfect top-line solution? Not yet. But again, you have to grow people and get them there. And then with Matthew Kachuk, which then leaves me with this big one on top of that. How are we feeling these days about Sam Bennett? And... Is this now the time with what you've seen and how well he's performed in the playoffs that you commit to him in the middle? And, and whether you slot him as a number two behind Backland or, you know, there's lots of different ways you can go, guys. But that's what interests me the most in terms of all the moves. You, you've got pieces. You have potential you know, I mean, it's not a secret this week that even someone like Monaghan has been talked about in a trade potentially with Minnesota where a Matt Dumba, let's say, might come back. I mean, there's lots of rumors around. And there's lots of rumors because I think we'd all agree and I think we'd all be surprised based on Brad Treleving. I mean, A's never been afraid of making hockey deals and significant hockey deals. You just have to go back to Carolina. And while my intel might be a little limited, I just think there's no way we get to the start of next season where, where the core looks the same. I just and, and to me, it's at forward where you're really trying to continue to grow your team not to say that there aren't holes on defense and not to say that there wouldn't be reason to be interested in Darcy Kemper just as one example now how about you guys how are you feeling about whether it's priorities and and more importantly what do you think in terms of what I threw out there with forwards and and where that's going to settle itself well, I, I know for me, um, not only do I think the Flames could move Lindholm to center, I would celebrate it. I, I think that he can be this team's number one center, and I like that combination you threw out uh, of him with, with Kachuk and potentially a, a Dylan Dubé. And I, I think you could see something similar with Dubé that you saw with Andrew Mangiapane beside Matthew Kachuk and Michael Backlund this year. And then you get into either Sean Monaghan, potentially being on the move, which, as we have discussed, I think is certainly a very real possibility, or he slots in, to, to your point of, of slotting, he slots in as your number two, which you feel very comfortable with. Michael Backlund slots in at number three, which you feel extremely comfortable with. Um, I, I do think Sam Bennett is, is kind of the, the dark horse in all of this. If you are to move, say, a Sean Monaghan, Michael Backlund as your number two center, that's worked here for the better part of a decade. I don't see that not continuing. And Sam Bennett as your number three, Derek Ryan as a number four, I'm feeling pretty good about that group down the middle logo. What about you? I have some reservations still on, on, on Sam. I think uh, as impressive okay. as he plays, 
during the playoffs, and it really is impressive. I just I need to see more out of it on a regular basis, and that's not to say that that's that won't come. I think Sam's still a, a young player who's you know still trying to find his permanent role in an NHL lineup every night. If it's down the middle that you know gives him that motivation and that challenge, maybe that he's looking for, then then sure. I think the biggest problem that I've had, and I'm all for Lindholm at center because I think that what this team has lacked, especially the last couple years is a secondary scoring line for a lot of it. As much as I like what Michael Backlund does, his scoring kind of comes in spurts and he's not always an offensive threat night in night out. If you can find a way to put Backlund as your three center and if it's Monahan at two or Lindholm at one or, you know, somebody else at that two spot, remember you know, how uh, the Nazem Kadri deal almost came to be last year before he nixed coming to Calgary. Wouldn't he be someone that looked good with someone like that in a, a 2C role for this team and kind of give him a little bit of pressure off of whatever that first line looks like? So I would like to see a, a full year of Alliance at center. I think he's got all the tools to be successful at that spot. But as far as the forward group is concerned, adding some, you know, night in night out offensive support for the group I think is is what that has to look like whether that's with Backlund and different wingers or somebody else at that second center spot okay I'm gonna throw this out at you guys okay so Logan you just talked and I'm I'm not in disagreement about secondary scoring but I'm gonna take you to a different place how about consistent first line scoring yeah have you had, like, honestly, going back to a couple of seasons ago, have you had that? No. And have we seen in the playoffs, do you have that kind of situation in your back pocket? No, and, and I'm you, you and, and I'm glad, and I'm glad, and I knew you guys would, would help me get to that point. Um, that's why, and I understand Trust me, I understand the rest of it, whether it's retooling your defense and where your offense comes from and, and having, you know, solid goaltending. But in a sense for me, guys, the construction very much, and that's why I went there today, is I think the forward groups need some reconstruction. And, and, and I'm glad you guys both kind of flushed it out in that direction because – I do think that there's good players, there's good growing players, and and part of it for me and two guys that we've talked about a little bit are Dubé and Montrepani. I, I think I think they continue to show that whether they're maybe ready for exactly what you want would want in call it prime time top six people. I think they're two guys who have definitely trended, and I mean in the case of Andrew, he's more than held up his end of the bargain. But even with Dylan, was Dylan not part of this team's most consistent trio in the playoffs? He was for me. Absolutely. You know, so that, that's really where I wanted to go today on the hit is just, you know, it's, it's hard for me to imagine that we're going to have all the same kind of key and core pieces back to start the next season now again you're not whether you know if Brad Treleving makes some huge decisions and needless to say if you moved on from Sean Monaghan or Johnny Gaudreau 
those those are big big decisions but i just truly believe at this point that i do think potentially one might have to go to give you a different look a different feel and a different opportunity to construct and i guess and it's it's not because jeff spent you know all that time in boston and and you know it would be interesting and I've, you know, I've certainly asked him a lot, and he's been asked a lot in the media about, you know, because I, I always look at Kachuk as kind of a Marchand type, right? You know, you guys know I've brought this up several times, and I do, you know, think of Lindholm as more of a Patrice Bergeron type. Now, that's type. There's only one Patrice Bergeron. Now, you don't necessarily have at this point, somebody like a Pasternak for the other side of the group. But I do. I, I just think, you know, we're at a point with slotting and construction that to get to a better place, as much as it, people want to focus on goaltending and as much as you want to focus on defense, I do. I, I think I think continuing to grow your forward group, develop your forward group, and potentially either add, subtract, or combination of both, it it, it needs a renovation. Chatting with our Flames insider. Thank you, Gemini. See? <laughs> little, like a that. little Gemini renovation. Oh, just uh, not not our insider for no reason, right? Just an absolute pro. Uh, <laughs> Peter Labardius, our Flames insider here on Hockey Central at noon. Uh, I do want to talk about the game tonight. The Islanders sure. look to keep their season alive as they take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. We have discussed uh, at previous points in these postseason where uh, Braden Point has scored some big goals, and that's certainly not something that is new to him going back to his junior days. Uh, we've seen Jordan Everly school, uh, score a rather important goal or two going back to, to his junior days. And it, it to me, Lou, it's kind of cool to see him now in this big of a spotlight still scoring some pretty big goals for his team. Well, it's true. And, you know, the Jordan Everly National Hockey League career has been an interesting one, hasn't it, guys? Um, you oh, know, yeah. when, you go, when you go back, and, and I truly believe this, and I've known Jordan for a long time um, and think very, very highly of him. But, you know, when I think about the trio that was Taylor Hall, Jordan Eberle, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins in Edmonton. And remember, they were, they were young. They were young stars. They got paid a lot of money, $6 million over, you know, lengthy terms. And to be honest, I'm not sure as a group that they were able to handle all that went with that. I, I really believe that. And I, I think in Jordan's case, who's always been, you know, a prime time player type of person in 2017, when he didn't score in that playoff run where the Oilers went to the second round and lost to Anaheim in that second round. And then they decided to move on. You know, I, I think it's been a big transition. And, and I think, you know, you could say some of the same things about Taylor Hall and, and just, we expect guys so much out of these people who have, you know, incredible junior careers and do some spectacular things, especially in Jordan's case in 09. And, you know, it doesn't get talked about as much, but, you know, people forget 
Jordan was pretty clutch in getting the world championship gold medal game in 2010 in Saskatoon to overtime before John Carlson won it, beating Martin Jones with a game winner. He had to score two big goals down the stretch in the third of that game to send it to overtime. But, you know, so much can be expected of these people at a young age. And I I just think for Jordan, and there's still been ups and downs, I, I still think Jordan... You know, his greatest attributes have always been his ability to score, to find spots, to find quiet areas, and it was. It was it was fun to see him have a really big moment on a big stage, you know, at the National Hockey League level. it's It doesn't seem that way because we get reminded all the time, especially of that goal against the Russians in 2009, but, you know, there haven't been a lot of those moments, guys, at this level. So he made absolutely no mistake, though. That is for sure, the Anders Lee pass (laughs) to end that game in double overtime. And and that, you know, that pairing in its own right had been criticized in this series for not doing enough. So we'll see how, you know, Jordan and company carry on after the game winner in game five. Lou, this was a really fun chat today. Really, uh, really enjoyed it. We'll have more from Game 6 going into, um, or more from Game 6 tonight as we chat tomorrow. Plus, Lou's mailbag, so a lot to get to tomorrow. Okay, guys. Thanks so much. Have a great afternoon. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Well, you know, if I could talk, I'd be a whole lot better at this show. Uh, time for us to take a break. When we come back, Eric Dehatchuk, our NHL insider, for his uh, second stop on the program this week. How are the New York Islanders doing what they're doing against the Tampa Bay Lightning? And do they have a couple more of those in them? We will discuss next here on Hockey Central at Noon, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 12.30, welcome back to Hockey Central at Noon. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today. Very pleased to be joined by our NHL insider, Eric Dehatchuk. Eric, how are you today? Yeah, I'm really good. Looking forward to this game because I, I, I've been watching the Islanders, you know, since when? August the 1st. And uh, it, it's amazing how resilient they are, right? I mean, you know, you, you, you look at the game the other night. Should they have won? Probably not. You know, like they, you know, what, they have 24 shots and 90-plus minutes of hockey. But they find a way, right? They have, they found a way, uh, you know, through all, through all the previous rounds. And there's a part of me that thinks they're going to find a way tonight, too. So, I, I you know, I, 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 I hesitate to bet against this team because it's shown a remarkable amount of resiliency in a playoff where, you know, some teams have done that. Dallas for sure, and others have kind of meekly gone away when they've uh, when they've been behind in a series. So um, let's see if Barry Trotz can keep that magic formula going again. It really is one of the fun things about sports because when you look at these two rosters on paper, like all due respect to what the Islanders have done, this shouldn't be all that close, right? Like Tampa Bay is an incredibly talented team, but then you watch the system that the Islanders have in place and the buy-in that the players have. Like you said, it's really impressive what the Islanders have been able to do. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And then, and I mean, we have to preface everything when you talk about Tampa to, to note that they've done this 
without Steven Stamkos for the entire playoff. And, uh, you know, and Braden Point has missed a couple of games so far. I, I see he's a, a game-time decision tonight, even if he's in the lineup. Is he going to be that Braden Point healthy, you know, nose to the net, you know, great chemistry with Nikita Kucherov, that guy uh, that we've seen in, in previous rounds of the playoffs, or is he going to be someone that, you know, that is, you know, undermined by an injury and is going to have all the will in the world, but prob- but may not be able to, you know, to, to perform at, at the level that we're, we're accustomed to seeing him. So I think what happens is when you take Stamkos out of the mix in, 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 uh, in, in Tampa, and then, of course, you know, point either isn't playing or is going to be hobbled if he does play, it brings the talent gap a little bit closer together. But the one thing that the Islanders don't have that, that Tampa does have is, is Victor Hedman. I mean, he's another guy that, uh, you know, perennially in the Norris Trophy conversation, I sometimes hear people complain because they're always trying to, you know, to, to nominate this dark horse Norris Trophy candidate, that dark horse Nor- Norris Trophy candidate. And sometimes, you, you, you know, they, they tend to look past the obvious. And so just look at the way Hedman has played in, in, in these playoffs. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm you know, happy about all of the nice things that people have said about Mira Heiskin in these playoffs. All deserved, you know. Everything that we've heard about Kale McCarr, all deserved. Everything we heard about Quinn Hughes, all deserved. But if, if you needed one defenseman in a game where you're trying to advance to the Stanley Cup final, of all of the names that I've mentioned, would, 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 you, put, would you take Hedman first? I would. I would take Hedman first. I mean, his size, his poise, um, you know, he's, he's great on the defensive side. What has he got? Eight goals or something like that. He's, he's closing in on a record for goals by a defenseman. I mean, uh, you know, like we always try to look ahead at potential consummate trophy winners and if Tampa somehow gets through this round and gets to the final and wins is Hedman not the odds on choice to, to win the consummate he, he would probably be first on my ballot and I've voted you know I got a note from a colleague I think I voted 30 times on that award and and and, and this this is the time of year you have to start thinking about that I mean, about who are the the candidates from from you know the teams that potentially still have a chance to win and and I love the way uh, Hedman has played in these playoffs. Just fantastic. Well, and when you look at the the style that the Lightning want to play, where it's much more fast-paced and they have so much offensive talent, you want to let those guys fly. You kind of need a rock back there. And, and I think Victor Hedman really allows Tampa Bay to play the style they want because of how sound he is defensively. And, like, he's not going to beat Miro Haskinen in a foot race, but the dude is still a pretty good skater for a guy of his size as well. And it just, it really does feel like he's the perfect fit for what Tampa Bay is looking for. I mean, unquestionably. And, and what I would tell you, too, is that, you know, you, you talk about Tampa style. But when you, when you think about the way the Islanders are playing right now, there, there just isn't a lot of room out there. You know, it, it, this this is more 90s style hockey without the the hooking and holding. You know, the Islanders are really trying to take away all of the you know the the, the things that that Tampa does well. Like if, if this ever were to you know descend into a or devolve into a run and gun kind of a thing, you know, I don't think there's any question in most people's minds who would win that kind of a of a showdown. You know, once you get past Barzell, Everly, and, and a few others. I think that in a in an exchange chances kind of a, a game, Tampa would win the vast majority of those. But but the Islanders aren't giving them that. And you know the, the perfect example of their patience is, is what happened on the winning goal. Again, that that the, the run of play was going <clears throat> all Tampa's way. <clears throat> a little bit of a miscue by uh, uh, by Kevin Shattenkirk on the point, 
and they take advantage of, of like the one really good opportunity they, they have on that two-on-one lead to, to Everly. So, you know, that, that is what we're going to see from the Islanders again tonight. You know, they, you know even, you know, people forget that at, at the very start of this series, that, that opening game was a complete blowout, right? And, and, you know, and, and, it, it, and I said, I remember we talked about this. I said, don't expect that the Islanders are going to roll over right now. They are not. They, they are going to be able to put that behind them, and you're going to see a competitive series from here to the end, and that's what we have seen. And so, so I, uh, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks that this could go seven, and and then you know then we're into coin flip territory, right? Then anything can happen. And what what if we have a Dallas Islanders Stanley Cup final? A Dallas Islanders Stanley Cup final. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see how many brackets that the NHL solicited for the, for these playoffs that that have the Islanders and Dallas meeting in the final. I, I would hazard a guess not too many. Or if it, if there are a lot, it's because somebody put in as many possibilities as they could. Because I don't think that that would have been the first, the thirtieth, the seventieth. Maybe it would have been your hundredth choice. Where, where would it have been on you? I, it wouldn't have been. I, I, I probably could have could have submitted a hundred uh, different uh, brackets, and and Islanders Dallas wouldn't have been on those hundred. No, the same with me. Even if I was doing one of those, like, I'm going to fill out as many uh, possibilities as I can, I probably still would have skipped that one. It's like, ah, I'm not even going to bother. Like, just, I'm going to save my hands here. It, 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 it would be so... Yeah, it's certainly not the two marquee names up there, but that, that's kind of the, the fun of this whole thing. It, it would certainly be unpredictable, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and as I said, I, I, I like the Islanders' commitment to a, a particular style of hockey, I think that if you have, you know, a, a team where, which, you know, where the sum of, of all the parts is greater than the, you know, than the individual ones, that's how you have to play. But just from a purely watching hockey perspective, you know, it's the Tampa's, the Colorado's, those are the teams that I've enjoyed watching in these playoffs. Of course, you know, they're not around anymore. So I suppose that tells you something about, uh, you know, when you have these two styles that go head to head, you know, which is the one that tends to survive in the playoffs. It does tend to be those teams that have a, a defensive commitment. And, and I guess, you know, again, you know, circling back to Dallas, you know, they, they were one of the top defensive teams in the league and they couldn't score a lick in the regular season. And they had enough scoring in the playoffs, but it was that overall commitment to playing a style of defense night after relentless night that I think has them, you know, with a real shot at winning the Stanley Cup this year. When we talk about the style of play, uh, as sports fans, it's kind of fun to see this whole thing happening. I don't know if the NBC executives are going to be jumping for joy if the, the Islanders make it. I don't know if that's necessarily the the brand of hockey they want on national television. No, 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 no. It's a good point, and uh, um, and I knew that that's one of the things that I, I've not been able to to see if television ratings have kind of flattened and even dropped off a little bit as the postseason has has moved along because i have i have not seen what the numbers were i I do know that early on there was this great passion and level of excitement and we we, again we always talk about how the first round is the best in in the nhl and this year we had two first rounds so everybody still had a chance everyone was alive there was a ton of hockey on for me the tv was on every day i wasn't watching every minute of every game but but you know you come in and watch and you go out and and then now that it's kind of getting down to the short strokes the games that really matter to the teams that are that are still involved there's there just seems to be um less interest i I don't i'm not getting as many emails i don't know what what uh your your chat line is is telling you, but it does seem that um, you know that if you don't have a particular rooting interest in in this series, I think a lot of people have drifted over to to baseball and, and the NFL right now. 
looking at the the Islanders now going forward, and this isn't meant to be a, well, they're already done, so who cares? Because I, I do think they have a, a very real shot in game six tonight. But looking at them kind of uh, a bit broader range here, is this kind of the the expect like have the expectations I guess changed for the Islanders now that they make it to the NHL's Final Four? Do, do you think that the goalposts have now moved for this team going into next season and beyond now? No, no, no. I don't think so. I, because I, I think that part of what makes them the team that they are is, is that they know who they are, right? They, they know what their identity is. And so, you know, again, if we go down that roster of forwards, right? So that we can we can do it, you know, in terms of of who earns the most money. It's you know, it's Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, it's Eberle. Um, you know, you've got uh, Pajot, uh, and then you get into the you know the, the checking line guys, and and then you, eventually they're going to have to resign uh, Matthew Barzell. But it is not be once you get past. Barzell, you know, there's nobody that that really jumps out at you and says, okay, this is a, a player that's a difference maker. Now they do have some young players coming, and I think that will be the, the the critical thing. Like, can they take the next step? I don't think they can with with this lineup, but you know, but if uh, Oliver Wallstrom, a high draft choice, you know, becomes an above average NHL player, you know, they have some like real young talent, you know, coming up like you know Noah Dobson on, on on the blue line. So if these guys. Can can you know make a stride and uh, and 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 create a, a higher skill level than than they have right now? Maybe they will go uh, a step further. But I just think that you know the, the, the you know whenever the NHL resets for the start of the 2021 season, uh, Pittsburgh will be back. They're making win now moves. Washington will be back. They made a, a coaching change that signals that it's a win now move. So everybody goes back to zero and zero. And 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 the Islanders are going to be another team that when we make our projections for the start of next year. There'll be a bubble team in most people's lists, and I'll bet you a lot of people have them missing the playoffs just because, you know, they will be, we'll go back to, to looking at these rosters on paper and forget about, you know, what, what it looks like on the ice. And, and there will be at least eight teams in the Eastern Conference that will look better on paper than the Islanders going into next year. So, you know, the, the beauty of that, of course, is that, you know, the, pre- the expectations are lower, uh, the pressure is a little bit less, and, you know, that mentality that Barry Trotz has created there is sort of that you know us against the world mentality they'll they'll still be able to draw on that a year from now for sure by the time we chat again this series will be over and we'll know who is in the the stanley cup final if it's not tampa bay this i get getting to the nhl's final four is really hard to do and getting beyond that is also very hard to do but if tampa bay doesn't make it to the stanley cup final this has to be viewed as a huge disappointment no well, it would be because they've gotten this far. So I, I think that again, when you parse the uh, the end of a, of a season, you know, the one thing that they will they will say is that we did get further this year than a year ago when you know when when they looked like a team that had everything going for it in the regular season and that had nothing in 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 the playoffs. Um, and and uh, you know the, the the biggest thing about Tampa, I think, because last year we saw like effectively one major change, right? They they moved out J T. Miller's money, got a first round pick back and then brought in a couple of guys you know um, Goudreau and uh, uh, and Coleman from from New Jersey they, they, they you know they gave up quite a bit to get those guys because they felt that they needed that tenacity that they were lacking last year so these guys are are you know their solutions for this year and really their solutions for next year too I mean the whole point of, of giving up like a the tangible assets that they gave up was because you know these both these guys had term left on their contract so I, I think you know they'll come back with essentially the the same basic group. I don't see a lot of changes there. Um, you know, especially in anticipation of the Seattle expansion draft that will come beyond that. I think that they'll get a little bit of salary cap relief 
from those middle of the lineup guys like the Palats and the Gourdes and the Johnsons and the Kalorns that are making, you know, pretty good salaries for what they, they return. I think they'll keep all those guys around and then, you know, then a handful of them will be exposed in, in Seattle expansion draft. So yes, it will be a disappointment if they're not in the Stanley Cup final. It'll be a disappointment if they get to the Stanley Cup final and, and, and don't win. But but if you if you didn't make fundamental changes after a four game sweep two years ago, I don't think you're going to make fundamental changes after a fairly deep run and being one of the, the final three teams standing this year. Thank you as always, Eric. Uh, enjoy our conversations. We will chat next week during the Stanley Cup final. All right. Thank you. Thank you. There is our NHL insider, Eric DeHatchuk, joining us today. It is kind of crazy to think of, okay, we're getting ready for week two in the NFL, also the playoffs in Major League Baseball, and the Stanley Cup final. It's a strange time for sure, but uh, always fun chatting with Eric. And we do so on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll take a closer look at tonight's Game 6. Can the Lightning move on to the Stanley Cup Final? Logo and I will discuss that next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We are about 10 minutes away from a very busy big show today. Busy hour one, for sure, on uh, the big show here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today. Logo, how are you today, sir? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm doing all right. It's uh, not quite as smoky, maybe, outside today. So, yeah, no no complaints on this end. We have hockey on the television tonight and on your radio tonight with the Islanders taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Braden Point's status, obviously... I think very important going into this game tonight. Uh, any other X factors that you're watching for in Islanders lightning this evening? Um, I guess probably the play of Semyon Varlamov, if he can keep holding down the fort for the Islanders. They've got to get more pressure, obviously. You can't be getting like your 20th shot into the second overtime period. That's just not a, a strategy that's going to work well for you uh, over the long term, but uh, if he can keep holding it down and keep him in it, then I guess the Islanders have as good a chance as any. But uh, obviously, the the big X factor is point. Yeah, like that. He he just does so much for that team, and, and I think if any team is capable of losing a star player and still being okay, it's the Lightning. But they've already had to do that without Steven Stamkos, without Stamkos, and without Point, who just really gives them that extra speed factor, which you need when a team's trying to clog things up on you. I, I do think that that kind of evens this out a little bit more. I still favor Tampa Bay in this tonight, regardless of the role that Braden Point is, is able to play, if he is able to play at all. But... I do think it kind of brings the Islanders a little bit closer in this one. And it, it's crazy that they are just the team that will not go away. Double overtime. They keep their season alive. Like you said, Simeon Varlamov has been absolutely spectacular at times for this Islanders team. And last night would certainly fall into that category. I, I think if the Islanders do it tonight, Game seven is, I mean, game seven is going to be fascinating whenever because it's game seven, but there will be so much pressure on that lightning team if the Islanders can get it done again tonight. Yeah, this is kind of the, uh, 
you know, the cliche of hockey is anything can happen in game seven, but it's true. I mean, you get past tonight, you're right back in the series. You, the pressure is clearly on Tampa Bay. We've heard that, you know, from the beginning of this series, really, that, you know, this is as much on Tampa Bay as anybody left in the tournament. Dallas, we've had doubts about from the beginning. And, you know, I don't think anybody really picked the Islanders to overtake them in this. And for Tampa Bay, it kind of feels like a Stanley Cup or bust has kind of been the mantra for a couple of years. And that's hard to say without your captain and, you know, one of your best players not in the lineup, that's still the expectation, but I kind of feel like it is. So, you know, you only get so many chances at it. If you're the Islanders, you just got to kind of play, not carefree hockey, but, you know, kind of nothing to lose mentality. If you push it to seven, everything falls onto Tampa Bay and you guys are, you know, just rolling with it. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Islanders push tonight. And if we do get game seven, I believe that sets up for a pretty fun Saturday night, if I'm correct. Yes. Yeah. It would be a Saturday night, which I am, I'm in favor of nice little game seven Saturday. And it just, it kind of feels nice and clean. Cause then you go into the next week with the Stanley cup final. Now I'm sure the NHL would be okay with the Stanley cup final starting Saturday night in prime time with college football not necessarily in full swing yet so I, I think that the nhl would be okay with it either way but no it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one tonight i hope anyway it might be a bad one tonight if the islanders have their way but uh, either way it's going to be interesting a couple other uh, news and notes items from around the league before we get out of here for the big show um Rick Bonus on a conference call to, or a, a Zoom call, I guess, today saying that Radic Fas, uh, Faxa, Stephen Johns, and Ben Bishop are all still unfit to play, although Bishop has been practicing. Logan, my question for you. There is no way you go with anyone but Anton Hudobin in the Stanley Cup final, right? Like, no. unless he, he gets absolutely throttled in game one and Ben Bishop is suddenly more fit to play, like, there, there, there's no, no way Rick Bonas is doing that again, right? No, I can't imagine. I mean, look, even... I don't know that Rick Bonas... Excuse me, falls into the same uh, mindset that I do, but... You know, I don't think Ben Bishop's anywhere near 100% based on the, the two outings that we've seen him with going back to the Calgary series. Um, I, I, I just, I can't imagine. I would be, honestly, if something were to happen to Hudobin, I would probably go to Ottinger before I went to, to Bishop at this point just because I, I think he's so far from 100% that you, you're probably just better off putting a healthy goaltender in there. I know it's a tough spot for the kid to potentially be in, but... If Dallas is going to win this thing, I think at this point it's it's on Hudobin, and they've gotten him this far. He's had some outstanding performances. The Vegas series was probably his best to date, and if he runs into Tampa Bay, he's going to need to have another one. Yeah, that's that, that's going to be a fun matchup if that ends up being the case. I just I can't imagine. Okay, yeah, well, uh, Ben Bishop's good. Let's go with him game one. I mean, he's a starter. Can't lose your job to an injury. Am I right? Um, the, the internet would explode. Even if he just jokingly did that, uh, I, I think the internet would explode uh, in what would be quite a moment. And Logo, you know what else it would be? A spicy, a spicy moment? moment. Yeah. It would be a spicy, spicy moment. And you can tune in to Hockey Central at noon every Friday to hear the Bacardi spiciest moment of the week. Could be a big hit, big goal, maybe someone saying something with a big mouth. 
Who knows? The spiciest moment will be posted on Sportsnet 960 Facebook and Twitter. Just in case you missed it, look for the hashtag that spice. It takes a real captain to make a bold choice made with aged rum for smoothness and blended with natural spices. Try Bacardi Spiced for your next home game. Uh, it is time for us to take a break. When we come back, it is a jam-packed hour one of the big show. We have Hakeem Dawadu from the Ultimate Fighting Championship. He's going to fight Island. I can't wait to ask him about that. That is coming up as we kick the show off. Uh, also, we have Sarah McClellan, who covers the Minnesota Wild. What's going on with Minnesota and what more can we expect from that club going forward? We'll talk about that with her at about 125 and then at around 145, Ian McMillan stops by trying to make us some money on the NFL week. So it is a busy one o'clock hour on the big show and it starts next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.